Welcome to the Lean Blog Podcast. Visit our website at www.leanblog.org. Now, here's your host, Mark Graben. Hi, this is Mark Graben. Welcome to episode 223 of the Lean Blog Podcast. It's June 2nd, 2015. My guest today is Christian Walcott. He is a senior advisor and director of Kaizen Institute North America, and he is their director for Japan Tours. Now, Christian was an integral part of the team for the Japan Lean Healthcare Tour that uh, I helped promote and participated in last November as an instructor. You know, through the tour, Christian taught lean concepts and facilitated discussions uh, along with me and uh, our, our group of global attendees. So in this podcast, we're going to talk about some of our reflections and recollections about the tour, uh, lessons learned and, and reasons to go, which you know, beyond the lean learning includes a lot of uh, camaraderie and wonderful cuisine and evening discussions. And it's a really jam-packed week, but you'll make connections that will hopefully stay with you for uh, a career and a lifetime. So we're planning another tour in September. Um, you can go to japanleantrip.com to learn more and to sign up to receive more information. And uh, for this episode, um, if you want to get links to learn more about this, go to leanblog.org slash 223. Christian, hey, thanks for joining us and for being a guest here on the podcast today. Well, thanks, Mark. It's my pleasure to join you. So you know, we're going to talk about uh, these, these trips to Japan that we've uh, taken and, and plan on taking again. But before we get into that, I, mean, I think it would be great for the listeners if you introduce um, yourself and uh, a little bit about your background and your career. Sure. I'd be happy to. Uh, my name is Christian Wolcott. I'm a senior advisor and director with the Kaizen Institute, uh, the U.S. business unit. And I'm also the director for Japan Tours. Um, my history, I guess, includes the, the uh, spending 14 years coming out of the paper industry here in Wisconsin, where I live. I live in a small community here um, in the upper Midwest. Um, learned a little bit about Lean along the way, spending that time with that company. Although exclusively looking back, um, you know, uh, some of the things we did were not formalized Lean knowledge or Lean training, uh, but rather kind of, um, you know, just in time, total quality management, and then bits and pieces of um, what we would, what I would know today as being formalized Lean tools, things like 5S and SMED and standardized work, that sort of thing. But over the years at the paper company, I originally started out as being a frontline supervisor and then kind of midline manager, department manager along the way after four or five years or so. Uh, ISO facilitator, or uh, complaint analyst, and then spent the last four or five years in production inventory control management. Mm -hmm. And so really kind of learned a lot along the way about management, structure, styles, um, the importance of good process control, of policy deployment, um, the importance of uh, you know, conveying that information to uh, kind of a diverse employee base in order to drive and, and achieve and hit you know, targets, measurables, metrics along the way. He had some pain along the way, though, too. Uh, paper industry, no surprise, has uh, one is, has a continuing evolution. So we had some of our uh, needs to do setbacks along the way. So cultural changes uh, amongst the process changes were something that I uh, had a firsthand chance to be involved with. So I learned a lot uh, in, in those days working for the paper company here. Um, transitioned out of the paper company, though, around 2000 and in my memory now? Yes, about 2005. 
and uh, joined up then with a, uh, the Wisconsin MEP, Wisconsin Manufacturing Extension Partnership, mm -hmm. which is a consultancy uh, devoted exclusively toward the betterment and growth of manufacturing companies here in, in our state. Um, learned an awful lot, a wonderful group of, of women and men uh, working really hard uh, to do just that. Uh, that's really where I learned the, the formalized ropes of a consulting world and a bit more uh, of the formalized, you know, lean knowledge that I that I have uh, to this day. Yeah. Now I'd like to go back to uh, the paper companies just briefly, and you know what you described there is interesting. Um, it's unlike it seems like what a lot of organizations do these days, where you know they have a you know lean initiative where they talk about lean, lean, lean. Where it sounds like. And correct me if I'm wrong, but at the paper company, there was just kind of a longer history of that's just how they did things uh, from an evolution of TQM and, and lean practices. Was it was it that ingrained that they didn't have to really give it that specific label? You know, I, I, I look back now and I think um, for whatever reason, yeah, the lean label was not one that was used. In fact, I think in my memory, the, you know, the just in time, the quality management uh, teams that we had and we did do. Um, again, kind of experimentation, I would call it at this point, with standardizing work, with uh, quick changeovers, that sort of thing. They were never labeled as being, this is lean thinking or Toyota production. That was never uttered. The word yeah. Toyota was never mentioned in any of the materials that we went to. And again, we were probably sent to, oh, maybe one or two weeks of training uh, each year over the years um, as a way to kind of infuse some additional skills uh, to the management groups that I was part of. When you moved into the MEP, then there was an opportunity, I guess, you know, the, and the MEP programs around the country are um, a lot of the states have done um, a lot of great work. I've blogged about this before and have heard a lot of good things about mm -hmm. the Wisconsin MEP. Were they teaching people and a little bit more of the uh, kind of typical we are teaching you about lean style, uh, working with different small and medium sized enterprises? They were. Yeah, you're right. They were. And in, uh, I guess, in fact, you know, one piece that maybe I uh, haven't mentioned is that in, toward the late 90s, even my, my time with the paper company, um, I did some of my own reading, just kind of uh, out of purely out of interest mm -hmm. and curiosity, um, read the Toyota way, that kind of thing. And um, we were doing some mapping at uh, the work at the company. I first picked up my, my one of my first copies of Learning to See, which oh. mm -hmm. at the time, frankly, didn't make a lot of sense. I was trying to kind of make sense out of what we were doing. Um, but then after joining MEP, I had the more formalized training with um, uh, John Shook, who actually came to uh, Madison, Wisconsin, when we had a several-day workshop. So I actually learned it directly from oh, yeah. him, which was beneficial, along right. with a lot of the other structure that, that comes with uh, you know, specific tools of lean, learned that uh, through the MEP, through, through the work with MEP. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I mean, you know, personally, even though I, I use the word lean a lot, I mean, I, I, I it's, it's, I don't know, it's an interesting balance where I think sometimes, yeah, I mean, yeah, the word is what it is, and and people, um, it, it, you know, they, they, it's it's a known, it's something people have heard of, but I think right. sometimes the word gets overused where you know if people reach out and you know talk about some practice and they'll ask, is that lean? And I say, well, I, I don't know. I mean, like what really matters is, is it better? Is it leading to the right type of organization, exactly. the right results? Like, I, mean, I, I don't want to use lean as a synonym for good. Exactly. Exactly. You know, and I think in some ways, uh, what was interesting and, and kind of uh, new to my eyes at the time 
was that uh, working with the MEP centers, you know, even in some of the small manufacturing companies here in Wisconsin, when you went in and when you mentioned the word lean, it was, you know, kind of had a bad connotation to, it. you know, organization X goes lean and lays off X amount of people. And we would continually have to reinforce the fact that our mission, and it was the mission of the MEPs, was to do just the opposite. It was not to, you know, pare back the workforce at all. And that's similar to what we share at, you know, at Kaiser Institute today. Right. And the central message, I think, that has to be conveyed along with it. Yeah, so let's transition into talking about Kaizen Institute and the organization itself and in your role. I mean, this is quite a global organization, right? It is. Uh, Kaizen Institute is um, made up of about, um, I think, 15 different business units uh, around the world. We are headquartered in Switzerland. Uh, although our founder, Masaki Amai, the, 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 the author of Gemba Kaizen and Kaizen, uh, is still alive and living mm -hmm. in Tokyo. So uh, the chance to go and kind of uh, meet with him, and he still does public speaking, still meets with uh, tour groups when we visit uh, Japan, still travels the world to some degree um, uh, with our clients, allows us to serve at a global level. And so we, uh, we service a variety of sectors, everything from manufacturing uh, through healthcare, uh, in banking, colleges, government systems, uh, you name it, anywhere that there's a client need, uh, we are certainly, I think we have a, a diverse skills force um, that allows us to, to work in all of those sectors. And, and before we talk about your role with the tours, um, you, you do um, a fair amount of consulting with organizations in, in North America or all over the place. What Tell us about some of the work that you're involved in with clients. Sure. Uh, typically, my work is involved here in the U.S. You know, we try to uh, keep all the practitioners, and there's about 375 or so globally. We try to keep the practitioners local to where the client needs are. Mm -hmm. It reduces you know, the travel time and distance and all that, which yeah. again, as we study lean is waste itself. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, I do probably 90% of my work here in the United States. Um, it was a shift a little bit here you know, a couple of years ago, did a lot more work in Canada at the time. Um, there was a great need up there, and so where I live here in Wisconsin kind of allows me to, to cross the border somewhat easily. Um, occasionally we do, you know, they'll get to a client need that'll take us out of country, uh, which is always exciting, a chance mm -hmm. to go and you know see another culture and mm -hmm. uh, spend some time overseas. But um, you know, most of the work these days, yeah, the U.S. Let, let's let's talk about uh, the tours because uh, you, you and I had you know great learning opportunity, great fun doing a tour back in uh, November of 2014, and we're planning on doing these again um, here in the future. Um, I, I'm, I'm curious, as you know, you're an experienced lean practitioner and, and leader in Sensei to organizations, you know, what are some of the things that stand out to you um, on, on taking a trip to Japan to, to learn and, and see in that environment? You know, I think probably the greatest um, uh, impact or the greatest uh, resource you get by by visiting Japan is the chance to go, uh, in, in my words, to go to the original Gemba, you know, to go to the actual place, uh, to go to the country of origin where, you know, contemporary lean thinking was born and where it was kind of, uh, you know, crafted out through, you know, trial and error. You know, the company Toyota is there, its headquarters is in Nagoya. Uh, many of its suppliers are there in Nagoya and a chance to go and walk through the halls and talk with the people and understand the culture. And I truly mean the corporate culture, but mm -hmm. also the, the national culture that kind of bore uh, this thinking of restraint and optimization and curiosity, frankly, with Kaizen and 
and long-term commitment to continuous improvement, uh, all those pieces kind of come together uniquely um, and present themselves in a way that you see you know, on a Japan tour differently than what you would you know, in any other country in the world. That's my belief and my mm-hmm. opinion. Uh, because you go there and there is something that's uniquely different about those companies, about their leadership um, uh, style, about their leadership uh, patience uh, for change and their approach to how they integrate the need to do business process and improvements in with their employees, uh, regardless of what type of industry it is, whether it's healthcare or whether it's manufacturing. Well, one thing that was interesting to me on um, you know, the, the two tours I've had a chance to do back in, in 2012 and then 2014, mm-hmm. um, especially at the hospitals and at some of the manufacturing companies. You know, at the hospitals, we always had the CEO there. And at some of the other companies, they had very senior leaders and not just in a ceremonial, oh, hi, I'm here to greet you um, <laughs> kind of role, but really to, to do in-depth teaching and, and talking about their philosophy around quality and, and to hear that kind of depth of understanding from a senior executive level. Uh, yes. Something I don't think we always find here in the U.S. Where I think a lot of executives say, "Well, I've delegated lean to somebody like Christian who works here or is a, a consultant," as opposed to really kind of owning it and embracing it internally. Right. You know, I think that kind of speaks again, probably to you know very somewhat unique national pride. If you ask them sincerely, can you tell us about your journey? Where did you start? How is it working? You know, they're somewhat. Um, eager to tell you their story and to show you, not just speak of it, but show you their commitment mm-hmm. uh, from an executive level, from a leadership level, and how that cascades throughout the organization to get the results that they're currently getting. Um, I think that's an important piece. It shows you know, a great deal of alignment mm-hmm. uh, in the organizations from top to bottom, which is an essential you know, piece that we try to teach with our clients, is you know, building that alignment in top to bottom, bottom to top. Uh, kind of holding each other accountable, and yeah. the chance again go to go to Japan and take a look at you know hospitals and a chance to to speak with their uh, with their leadership. They have a chance to showcase that, and they do. They're very prideful in that when they want to show you their their results, their project work, things that they've been successful with. Mm-hmm. Um, but they'll also tell you the areas that maybe that they still continue to struggle with. And I think that's a that's a fair piece. That's a real piece of their of their journey. Um, and one that's really, uh, you know, again, it's another benefit of going there and hearing this. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, and, and I'm still, you know, trying to understand the country. Uh, it's a fascinating, you know, enjoyable, unique place to visit. Um, there, there's there's these conundrums. Like you talk about, you know, the the, the pride, but there, that, that's balanced with humility at the same mm-hmm. time. Um, yes. Uh, being, you know, being kind of open about, how things are um, being, I think, proud of, of what they've developed there. But, you know, the hospital CEOs, a couple of them mentioned uh, W. Edwards Deming, who, of course, was an American. Mm-hmm. And I remember one, one of the hospital CEOs kind of brought him up, kind of almost lamenting that more Americans didn't appreciate Deming the way they do. You know, because I remember he was telling a story. He was at a conference in the United States and he was you know, pleasantly surprised that somebody was talking about Deming. He's like, yeah, we know Deming. Deming meant a lot to us. So that's another conundrum, right? You know, the, right. what they've developed, but they, they will admit that they've learned from others. Um, right. right, you know, and the truth of the matter is, and, the, and you know, most of the organizations that you have a chance to visit there, they're eager to share with you their history. 
Um, and they'll, you know, the, even though some of the organizations may have been around for, let's say, 100 years, you know, there were significant changes that came post-World War II. Right. You know, rebuilding efforts and um, some of the men and women that were sent you know, from by the United States and other countries to go there with, the, with their rebuilding efforts certainly contributed to uh, what we would see today as being, you know, kind of modern lean um, thinking and methodology. Now it's been, you know, derived and, and refined through their hands and through their needs, um, and through their environments. But certainly, you know, they're they're very quick to point out, you know, the people like Deming who were there, who spent time there, and who they learned from, and how they took that knowledge and incorporated into uh, then their strategies. And 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 it's part of that strategy, I think, you know, at the organizations other than Toyota, where Toyota is obviously they talk about the. Uh, history of the Toyota production system, which most of us would, you know, um, equivocate to lean. The other organizations, it seemed like it was more kind of what you described from uh, the paper mill of kind of just this ongoing evolution of TQM and, and a couple of decades worth of effort as opposed to, well, yeah, we we went uh, from from doing nothing basically to to this big lean initiative three years ago. It's a different kind of evolution that I tend to see with American hospitals. That's one thing that was really interesting. Um, that, that, that just sort of evolved, uh, not, not that there, it, that evolution, they didn't stop doing TQM. It seemed like they've added other methods on top of it. Right, right. I think that's something that's probably unique. It's fair to say to, uh, to the world of healthcare. And I've guess I've done enough work in healthcare over the years to say, uh, pretty safely say is that most most healthcare leadership uh, people and officials do not want to hear stories about how cars are built, mm -hmm. and and you know any analogies that are drawn from TPS um, are you know kind of uh, you know kind of skeptically looked at for the utility in the healthcare world, and you know and to some degree that's true. In other areas though that there are there's a direct one to one comparator. And still, things that can be carried over you know, in my mind very plainly. You have to change the language just a bit, um, but ultimately, some of the very same tools are are utilized. Well, I'm sure that a similar thing was true back in the paper mill, right? Now, these are you know large, capital intensive, continuous processes. This isn't just you know people sometimes denigrate assembly. Well, we're not just slapping parts together. I mean, right. it's a very exactly. different environment, right? Exactly. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And um, I'm, I'm hearkening back to my own days at, at General Motors when we were in machining and, and <laughs> engine parts machining. And they said, well, you know, we're not just slapping engines together. We're cutting metal. This is real yeah. manufacturing. <laughs> this is, we are different. Right. Um, you know, everyone loves to focus on the, uh, the we're different piece. And, you know, I think that national culture is a part of it. So, you know, in, in the tour last year, well, gosh, we had people from eight, nine different countries represented. Mm -hmm. Yeah, off the top of my head among, you know, for the 18 of us. And I mean, I think there was a lot of common ground where people within the group, I mean, we're learning from the people we're visiting and, and, and from you and Mr. Amai, and I'm babbling at them a little bit. Um, they're learning from each other and comparing notes. And I think it's interesting to see how people realize that things really aren't that different within healthcare across different countries. I'm, I'm curious kind of what, you know, some of your thoughts from what you talked to people about what, what some of your reflections were. Yeah, um, you know, some of the, the comments that were shared and stories that were shared by by those tour, uh, the folks on the tour last fall, yeah, the, you know, they're, they're hospitals from a variety of different countries, as you mentioned. Uh, some of those countries I have not been to personally, but hearing the stories of how things were playing out, 
uh, certainly more similarities than dissimilarities. Uh, you know, how things are integrated, how projects are managed, you know, determining, you know, the appropriate um, level of Kaizen, you know, how active, you know, are, is one site versus another, uh, finding uh, support for it from an executive level, how sometimes that can be a lonely walk. I thought that was a, uh, an interesting sort of parallel from site to site, regardless of the size of the, of the institution, because some of the hospitals, uh, some of the representatives of, some of those hospitals were quite large, you know, Thirteen hundred beds, as I recall, from uh, the one in Singapore. one of them was yeah. Eight hundred beds at another. These are quite you know these are large um, you know healthcare complexes, you know, and even in the even you know with these large numbers, still finding it maybe somewhat difficult to find you know champions for change within those groups. Um, and I think that's you know is that common? Sure, it is. That's common in regardless of what sector you're working in, but also somewhat reassuring then in in the healthcare sector that you know. You're not so out there. You're not so alone. It's not just your site that maybe is having some of these issues, mm -hmm. but a chance for them to, you know, over dinner or during the course of the tour to talk with each other to say, you know what? Oh yeah, that's that we have that we've had that happen too, and this is what we've done. That uh, you know, community of sharing that that starts on a tour and continues. You know, our desire is that it would continue long after the tour, is something that that is kind of uniquely brought together. Uh, by doing an activity like this. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've seen, you know, with both of the tours I've been involved with, there, you know, there's a community that forms. You have that shared experience of, you know, this trip to, uh, you know, an unusual place and, um, and, and, you know, you've got all these new experiences. And sometimes people go, you know, in groups of, you know, two to six people. And sometimes you've got an individual from an organization. And it's just, it's interesting to be a part of those discussions of what people are discovering and discussing and what they're going to take home or the connections they're building, you know, people from different countries that keep in touch after the tours and share their struggles or share their successes or, you know, that they can reach out um, to, to people in different parts of the world and, and find people that are more than happy to discuss and try to help each other out. I, I think that's one of the longer term um, benefits of a tour like this. It's really interesting to see. Absolutely. You know, that's one of the things that we, we certainly encourage and strive for with. It's one of the value adds coming out of it is that you would exchange information uh, with each other. You know, not only you spend a week with each other, you know, doing, you know, pretty busy days from beginning, you know, from morning to night, you know, uh, touring a variety of sites and, and traveling together, you know, being offered some lessons. Um, some learning points. Some of the learning points are, are maybe things that some organizations have done some work with. Others, it's brand new. And that discovery piece, mm -hmm. and you know, encouraging that if you need, it, you know, if you need additional support beyond the tour, there's a place to reach out. You got some new faces. You made some new friends during the course of the week. A chance then to reach out and say, you know what, I'm doing this here at my site, or I'm kicking off this particular Kaizen activity over here, or I'm rolling out Hoshin planning, some you know, some policy deployment over here. Um, and I want to kind of run this past you. Why? Because your organization has already done it. You told me so over dinner on mm -hmm. Wednesday when we were having shabu shabu or something <laughs> like that. You know, that kind of connection, that's golden. And that's, you know, that, that's precisely what we're looking to do, as you mentioned, build a community of lean-minded, lean, -minded, lean uh, leadership uh, people, you know, through in, in the healthcare sector. Yeah, and, you know, the, the tour that, that we're both, or at least that I'm reminiscing about, or, you know, the, from last November, that was very specifically a healthcare oriented tour where it was, um, you know, a lot of physicians and executives from different countries 
we went to, um, for the listeners' sake, uh, to Toyota, a um, couple other non-healthcare companies, and we went to three different hospitals of different sizes around the country. And you know, I think you know it's, it's interesting to see lean in a different environment. You know, like you were saying, everyone wants to go see Toyota, but to see you know other Japanese uh, companies and to hear what they're working on, I think was really interesting. But just as a quick sidetrack from that, um, mm -hmm. tell listeners, Kaizen Institute also does tours for uh, manufacturing audiences or, or broader or even private groups, right? We do, we do. Um, you know, in some ways uh, we kind of offer, I would say, probably fair to say, to kind of put the label of public tours on it, where the tours are, you know, kind of uh, for a general audience. In this case, we could say something like manufacturing or healthcare. So we know we have a diverse group of people coming in with very diverse needs. And so what we'll try to do is then select sites and teach lessons then throughout the course of the week, maybe to speak to a variety of needs. By contrast, then we would also offer um, more customized tours where we might have one organization that comes to us and says, you know, we've got, you know, 10 or 15 people here. We want them specifically to learn about uh, how to drive daily Kaizen or a higher level. We want them to learn specifically about SMED or value stream mapping. And so there might be some very specific content that we're looking to teach, but also to see and view at uh, some of the sites throughout the course of a, and typically a five-day week. And so there's a little bit more of a customized approach to it. It's one audience. There might even be uh, some internal um, projects that are reviewed during the course of the week. So uh, they're bringing their, their champions for change together, offering them some new information and some new guidance as well, sometimes that, that comes through their own hands. So again, it's a chance to you know, step away from their normal campus, their normal environment, for some some fresh thinking, to get some fresh air, some new information, and revitalize their teams. Yeah, it's kind of the uh, the most off offsite you could have. Yeah. <laughs> Truly. <laughs> yeah, and and there could be benefit to that of um, you know kind of getting away and like you know to me the the one thing about being in Japan is that a lot of it is in a way disorienting or it forces you to really pay attention. To everything that's going on, which um, I, I don't know, at least to me, I think that creates an opportunity that's ripe for for learning and taking in new things that you're not on. You're not you can't live on autopilot exactly. that, that week that you're in Japan. You really have to pay attention to everything and make sure. Am I doing things the right way? Am I am I in line for the uh, for the for the subway properly? Am I handing my money to uh, to somebody properly? I, I, I've find that invigorating being in an it, environment it, like that it truly is you know and, and if you've never been to japan before you know the, the the stark difference between the united states or you know europe i know i've been to a number of countries in europe um even some of the other asian countries you know the, the differences between there and japan are in some cases you know just tremendously uh high levels of contrast uh, tremendously stark, and you get there, and you're forced. You know your, your paradigms are challenged the moment you step off the plane, you, and you realize, wow, you know these people think and behave differently than what we would at home, quote unquote. Um, and that's from from the train stations to the airports to how things are visually communicated to, you know, how things are are, are handled at a, at a street corner. I mean, rarely do you see, you know, I've, it's always struck me that the, the, the cleanliness of the cities uh, in, uh, in Japan, 
that they're intensely clean, kind of building on the same ideas that 5S promotes, everything in its place and a place for everything. And you look around, you go, I don't see a paper cup anywhere in the, yeah. in the, in the street, along the street. And I think, well, you know, what, these, there's a country that seems to believe in organization and cleanliness, um, not just a site, not just a department or an area. And you can see that. And the impact of that really kind of forces some new thinking and perspectives on, you know, what could you do at home? Here's a massive example of, of uh, or, order put in place. What could we do in our department? Yeah. And I mean, that's one of those other conundrums I think I observed is that Japan is obviously a very uh, crowded, bright, vibrant, uh, <laughs> um, you know, especially in Tokyo. There's so much going on. Oh, it's okay. hectic, but at the same time, it's kind of calm and organized. You know, exactly. it's, it's just, I don't know, I, I find it interesting, you know, just to try to to figure out those conundrums. And I think one of the other conundrums we were talking earlier about national culture, mm -hmm. I wanted to come back to, I've got a few friends from either Americans who have lived and worked in Japan or a few Japanese friends who are classmates of my wife in, in, in business school. And I think it's interesting to, to hear, you know, to, to read about or even you know, talk about during the tour, you know, the aspects of Japanese culture that do seem to play directly into what we would call lean, you know, the, the sense of of order and, and discipline and, and process and respect for customers. You've never, you know, anyone who hasn't been in Japan, you've never felt more taken care of than by uh, people in a Japanese restaurant or a Japanese store. Like they really True. fall over each other in a hotel, the lobby of a hotel. Like everyone is so eager to serve, you get kind of spoiled. It, it truly. For, for for a week there. And so there's a lot of this that, that seems to very much fall in line with lean. But then people talk about some other aspects of culture about, you know, the the, the parable or the analogy of, um, uh, you know, the, the tall blade of grass gets mowed and this idea of, you know, harmony and don't don't stick out and don't make waves. And that seems to sort of go against what these organizations have built in terms of a Kaizen culture. True. Where they do want people to speak up. They do, you know, the CEO at the one hospital, you know, said that he's, you know, he's he's kind of outspoken and he, mm -hmm. you know, he's, you know, he, he he was saying he's different than, you know, maybe typical Japanese. And maybe that cascades through the organization. Um, but it's funny, you know, it's, it's funny that some of this doesn't, the, the lean culture doesn't, or Kaizen culture doesn't exactly line up with Japanese culture in, in every business there. That's kind of interesting to try to unravel. Yeah, I, I think that's a fair statement. Is you know, it would be it would be a gross overstatement to say that every organization in Japan is lean-minded and lean-thinking. Well, that's simply not true. Uh, but certainly there are there's a number of organizations uh, squarely you know in the manufacturing sector, um, more recently in the healthcare sector and spreading to other sectors in Japan that have benefited from um, lean thinking and, and benefited from the history and the sharing of the history. Uh, from and through Toyota's uh, uh, thinking, uh, that's that's the simple truth and one that's spread around the world. Uh, the fact that you know Toyota's operations are so concentrated in Japan, I think, kind of lends itself to you know th there's more companies that probably are available to be seen. There are more examples in a concentrated area in Japan to go and tour to, to mm -hmm. see to see that evidence. And you know, there's uh, boy, there's maybe kind of a final thing to talk about. Um, there, there, there's so much fun to be had. I mean, obviously, you know, oh. we're we're going there to learn, and, and people are either paying or their companies are paying for 
you know, the professional learning, but boy, you mentioned shabu shabu and, and, uh, it's not just sushi, it's no. food and drink, you know, you get a chance to explore, uh, sochu, shochu, no, I think shochu is a, uh, a new beverage, uh, that I've <laughs> discovered a, uh, alcoholic beverage. And, uh, there was some of that, uh, consumed, but you know, it's fun to, uh, to unwind after the day and reflect with people and, 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 uh, enjoy Japanese food and beverage. That was, to, to me, that's one of the highlights of the tour. I would I would certainly agree with that. I know yeah, yeah. you and I had, a, along with our, uh, a number of the, of the folks that spent the evenings with us, we had some great uh, sharing, some great stories. Uh, can you still learn? Absolutely. There's, I think sometimes that, that informal learning sometimes is even richer mm -hmm. than a true training session can be. Because uh, it offers you the chance for, you know, again, that sharing, that personal one on what you think, how did that really work out, how would you do that, um, and you're doing this in this, you know, really rich um, environment of, 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 of comfort uh, and style, trying out some new things, you know, in a lot of ways, um, you know, the journey to lean is somewhat reflective of even how the meals are presented, many small dishes, you know, some dishes are highly complex, others are very simple. Mm -hmm. Um, in terms of its presentation, but you know, uh, most of these meals that we that we spend together, what they're a couple hours long, right? That we spent yeah. our evenings with, you know. So it's not something that's rushed or hurried. So you know, long-term thinking, you know, kind of draw this out, brought to you in stages, you know. And I, I kind of think that there's a parallel between, you know, even that that the, the dining experience uh, there in the in on the tours in Japan, and even even the lean journey itself, you know. Again, the small bits, small steps, you know. Um, and a chance to share stories along the way. What'd you learn? What'd you like? I liked that, but not so much this one here. Okay, okay. And you know, you kind of learn as a group as you go along. And you know, those those dinners were, they said, a little bit you know less formal opportunity to compare notes and learn from each other. And uh, you know, to you know, there, there's I think you know something to be said in you know Japanese culture that food and drink helps facilitate that. <laughs> and it doesn't hurt, right? We, we get a chance to experience that. But yeah, like, you know, one other thing, and it's, I'm hungry just thinking about it. Even the most simple piece of grilled chicken in in Japan can, can be such a phenomenal thing to taste. And, uh, you know, it's just, a, you know, it's, uh, it's really interesting to um, experience. I'd like my wife to go someday. Uh, and, 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 you know, she would be interested in learning about all this professionally and to see the country. She's allergic to seafood. But as I've told her, like, you could spend an entire week <laughs> not eating sushi, not eating any fish. There's all this great chicken and beef and pork. Yes. And, yes. Uh, so lots no, to enjoy. No worries if you, I mean, certainly, you know, Japan being basically an island country, is there a lot of seafood? There, yes, a lot of their diet is the seafood, but there certainly are. Uh, many other uh, good food types that are, you know, beef and chicken and other things that are non, not fish. Yeah. You won't starve. You don't have to pack crackers in your suitcase if you're going to Japan for, for the tour for the week. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so hopefully that's that's part of the new horizons. Try uh, some some new foods. Um, uh, just all the things that are different and unique about Japan. And some people fall in love with the Japanese toilets, which uh, <laughs> with the heated seats and all the buttons and functions. Uh. It, it, it certainly, if you've never had a chance to experience one, you know, that alone will make a memory. <laughs> so, um, boy, okay, so let's, uh, I need to find a different note um, <laughs> to end on here. Um, do, do you have any other um, just kind of thoughts or reflections? If someone is wondering, 
you know, should they make a trip like this? Um, how, how would you kind of explain or walk through with someone if, if they're debating if this is something that would be good for them and their own education mm -hmm. and their organization? What, what case would you make? Well, I think, you know, um, you know, every organization, at, you know, should be encouraged to take a look at their current objectives, you know, their current strategy. Um, you know, how successful have they been or are they to date with, with rolling and integrating lean thinking into their organization? Not separate, but integrating it together. Uh, typically, you know, the question comes, how much, you know, executive leadership support do we enjoy within our company? And if that one is, if the answer to that doesn't come quickly, and there's a lot of discussion or uncertainty about it, that alone might be the flag to say, you know what, then we need to come together in communities so we have alignment within our group to drive a lean strategy or any strategy for that matter. Um, you know, a chance for us to come together, break away, move away for five, six days, you know, and, you know, get off site, get off campus and go take in some new information. A chance for the organizational's, organization's leadership to breathe together, to come to alignment, to understand and say, you know what, uh, there's some tools, there's some techniques, there's some methodology that I think we can learn from. And, you know, whether we call it lean or we call it, call it our own. Um, we need to, we could, we could come together and kind of um, uh, come to consensus a bit, you know, in our minds. This is what we need to do. This is how it could play out. And we can see some examples, some evidence, and a chance to talk then with other leadership figures who have done this, who have been on the journey for a while. Again, it's a great opportunity to build your team or reinvest, reinvigorate uh, your team. Yeah, and you, you bring up a really good point, I think, about trying to bring you know, uh, an executive or bring leaders along. I think some of the groups I've seen had people uh, within the group from the same organization that were really gung-ho about lean and then others that they were trying to educate and trying to get on board. Um, and, and and I think going as a, as a group or at least a small group allows people to discuss, as you were saying, well, what are we going to do when we go back? Because I think you know, hopefully nobody is going expecting to find a bunch of quick, easy answers. <laughs> but it's, uh, I think, education and it's it's eye opening and, and these opportunities to then think about how to go apply this back home. And it's going to be different, um, you know, transferring these ideas back to their own country, back to their own organization. But I think that's a very necessary part of the process of thinking through and thinking through more on the way there during the trip on the way home. Um, I think those benefits often kind of come from people's own reflections and discussion. Mm -hmm. I would agree. I would agree. So, um, you know, uh, we're, we're planning, Christian and I, you know, we're excited to be uh, planning um, another trip again later this year. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll post um, links in the show notes if you'd like to reach out and uh, contact us to learn more about the trip and, and kind of details and price and, and agenda. Certainly hope you'll come and join us. And, um, you know, I, again, I know we have a lot of international listeners on the podcast. Um, you know, we, we've had people from all corners of the world be part of these tours. And I think that's one of the strengths of them is that Kaizen Institute helps attract um, kind of a, a global group and, and does a first rate job with all the, uh, the planning and logistics, things that, um, you know, the team out you know, beyond Christian uh, help manage and, and take care of. So uh, it's a big team effort. and You get to take advantage of that experience and those resources when you do the trip. So I'm happy to, to not just endorse it, but to, uh, to be a part of the trip. Uh, it's a, it's a great, 
great group effort, Christian. So um, yeah, well, thanks, Mark. Thank I appreciate it. We're looking forward to it as well. Again, it's always a it's a joy for us to go meet new people and explore and discover new things. Every tour allows for for greater levels of discovery. Well, great. Um, well, thank you, Christian. Again, our guest has been Christian Walcott from uh, Kaizen Institute, and um, want to thank you for being a guest here with us today. My pleasure. Thank you, Mark. Thanks for listening. This has been the Lean Blog Podcast. For lean news and commentary updated daily, visit www.leanblog.org. If you have any questions or comments about this podcast, email mark at leanpodcast at gmail.com.